All right, Pete, we've hey. got yet another coffee with the superintendent. This yep. one has some, a lot of fun things in it. Yeah. Um, actually, I was going to wonder if we wanted to hit full-time school first or anything about the levy first. You know, it, it's your call. I, I'm just, I'm just going to oblige. However you want to run it is fine with me. All right. Well, let's hit the levy first. Okay. And how do you feel? Just an update. How, how things are going to go with that? Well, it's a relief from the standpoint that um, the things that we were having to take some very hard look at as far as potential cuts, um, you know, we still have to take a look at them for, for the total financial uh, situation in the district in general. But it's a big relief simply because it's not a, a you know, a, there's no sudden end. We, you know, we have now two years um, that our constituents have have agreed to, to fund us uh, at a level that will still get us our, our state funding uh, to the maximum. So it, it, it's a great time from the standpoint of, of ensuring that we have the funding necessary to go forward without major cuts. I think from my standpoint, personally, as a superintendent, you know, I think a lot of people forget we're talking about a swing of uh, maybe 120 votes when it's all said and done. Yeah, it um, was close. <laughs> that, you know, it was, the night of was kind of like, it, wow. Yeah, it was, it was close the, the night of with just two votes over the 50%. Um, but we weren't that, that far, um, or we were farther down the, the last two times, of course. Um, but I, I guess where I'm going with this is it's not going to stop at the work that that I want to do to improve our communication, improve our engagement with the community. Um, because like I said, there's, there's a swing of about 120 folks, um, a big enough swing for us to, to uh, you know, knock on wood, the levy will certify on Friday as, as a pass at 51.6%. At um, but it, it's like I said uh, in our initial announcement, we've still got work to do. Um, Transparency is very important to me. Uh, we're a public agency, so everything we do is is uh, in the public light. We have to make sure that that um, it's being received the right way, that it's being presented the right way, and that everybody has access to to information that we use on a daily basis. Uh, there was discussion out on the internet about supermajority and percentages, and I know that that has happened in the past where levies were required. Uh, a super majority, but I wasn't sure if the COVID had waived it or if that mm. was actually the super majority had been shifted and changed. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a referendum, a legal change in the state. And I know I'm going to get the dates wrong, but it was, it was roughly 20 years ago. Okay. Um, there used to be a super majority requirement for levies and for bonds. So just a reminder, levies are learning, bonds are for buildings. So the last bond um, that Benton City has, was approved was for the high school. Okay. So that required a 60% supermajority for that. Um, the levy, though, requires only a 50% plus one vote. So you have to have a simple majority for a levy to pass in the state of All Washington. Right. Um, and I... It, 
it always comes up regardless of whether you're running a bond or a levy no matter how many times you do it it's it still gets confused. It, it still gets confusing and that's that's why we we try and put it as much information the the levy for learning is a 50 percent plus one majority all right so and then the bond is the super the bond majority. is the super majority um and that's where you know the district actually goes out and sells bonds on behalf of the community and and get certain rates of interest and and of course I'm not the expert in all the mechanizations of that but right um, I just know that there there's a lot more to a bond than there is to a to a simple levy okay all right that makes a lot more sense and then there was a I've heard a percentage of voters had to vote on the levy and was that again something that was pre-COVID and waived or yeah no, there are certain, there are certain, again, there are certain elections where you have to have a, a majority, or excuse me, you have to have 40% that voted in the last full-blown election. Okay. Okay, and a levy does not fall under those, those barriers or restrictions, um, it, which it, it's good for the district it, it, from the standpoint of sheer numbers. I mean, we were at... Close to 80% of our voting population took part in the no last November's election. Um, this last That's election, that it was <laughs> the highest number, I believe it's the highest number on record in the county. Um, this past uh, election for our levy, we had 35.8% of our voters turnout. Okay. Um, and that was still a higher percentage than it turned out in our, in our first attempt at a levy. Um, so it, it, it really is dependent on, on what it is you're going out for an election for that, that determines whether or not you have to hit a number uh, based on that previous election. So in our case, we didn't have to hit it. Um, I'll be honest with you, I thought we did going into it. Um, I thought, sure, we, we would have to hit that number, but um, very early on in the process, it was explained to me that no, you, it, for a levy, it, you do not have to hit that that 40% of the electorate. So um, a lot of things came together and I kind of reiterate what I said earlier, just the fact that, you know, everything else said and done, we still had about just over 100, 120 vote swings. So um, we've still got work to do. That actually reminds me, you have a community council, council coming up. Yep. Um, you want to talk a little bit more on that? Yeah, and, and this was something that, that I had wanted to roll out uh, last spring, but of course, COVID canceled all those types of plans yep. for anything in person. But uh, the main idea being that I want to be able to get a group of people together, um, not, as a, not as a predetermined agenda group, not as a, a group of uh, listen to me talk or present all the good stuff. This is really an interactive group that I want to be able to get together on a monthly basis uh, to be able to sit down and say, okay, what is it you'd like to talk about? What is it you'd like us, like us to be telling you, like to hear about? Um, and, and really focus on the listening side of things. Um, and that includes on our part as, as me being there and representing the district. Um, I don't think we're we're hearing each other very well these days, um, and that's not a community. That, yeah. It's not a state thing. It's just a. I think we we talk in sound bites a lot, and yeah. 
and what I really want to be able to do is to, to have people come to me with issues that they can sit down and not have it wor not worry about it being a school board meeting. It's not recorded. It's not. It's a conversation, and it really is a time um, to get what I hope is a, a fairly recurring group of folks who really take an interest in having discussions about things. Um, I don't do Facebook. I don't do social media. Um, Might be a good thing. <laughs> well, and I just I prefer. I prefer to meet in person, you know, just these are way better now that we can sit across the table as opposed right. to through Zoom. Um, I just want to, I want the chance for inter that personal interaction and for people to be able to show up and possibly have a disagreement and maybe I don't agree or they don't agree, but then we get up and shake hands at the end of the evening and say, see you next month um, okay. and, and make, okay. make positive steps towards um, bringing people together. Um, when's the first meeting going to be? First meeting is May 13th, so it'd be a week from this Thursday. Okay. And really, that's that's as much informational and open as anything, because what what I really want to do is get out this type of a message um, and be able to answer questions about it so that people understand I'm not going to come in with an hour's worth of material if if uh, if there's nothing to talk about, you know, we can we can talk about the weather or, or how the alfalfa <laughs> cutting's going or what the price of wheat is or, or whatever turns anyone's fancy. The main idea is to bring people together in a group again and okay. and and then determine, okay, you know, what works best for me as far as meeting times. If we get a bunch of people together that they'd rather do a lunch meeting, hey, we can set up at the diner and and have a lunch meeting if it's you know what the best time for us is seven o'clock in the morning over coffee at the market hey, we can make that happen too All it's right. really yeah. a really a time just to get out and say if you guys want to create a dialogue you tell me the best time of the week day whenever and we'll make it happen cool excellent and it's may 13th at what six o'clock yep six o'clock p.m okay. high school pack and that's quite frankly, it's the only date and the only time that I'm publicizing right now because it may turn into a seven o'clock in the morning meeting. Right. <laughs> it, you know, the other thing I've been asked is, would I be willing to do something on Saturday? Yes. If if that, if we have a bunch of working families that uh, really can't take time off during the week to get together, but Saturday at ten o'clock works great. Let's do it. All right. I, I'm excited about it. Uh, you said no recording, but I'll still try to get myself oh, there. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I think one of the things I'm really trying to break down is the idea that um, there, for for a gamut of reasons, some people won't don't want to show up at the school board. They don't want to submit right. a question in, in that format. I want to try and create an atmosphere where people relax and we can have a conversation and not feel like it's going to get posted on... YouTube or something right, like that right. 20 minutes later with a gotcha. Jumping topics? Yeah. Let's see. Is this our second week or third week of in-person school? Second full week. Second full week. How's it going? It's, you know, knock on wood, it's going really well. Um, you know, I, it's been an adjustment. I'm sure it's been an adjustment for parents. Um, probably in a good way for parents. Um, right. But it's been an adjustment for kids. Uh, it's been an adjustment for staff, everybody involved. It, it's it's funny the just um, the the it's funny how busy you are even at at the district office level. Just when there's more kids and things are happening, um, right, right. 
it's also refreshing because um, you remember, it just makes you remember why you got in the business in the first place. When you're walking down a hallway at two o'clock in the afternoon, seeing kids for the first time in a long time, it's a great feeling. Um, but it, it really has gone well. We've had some snafus um, and some, some minor issues that's gonna happen, but there's nothing that, that makes me think, oh God, I wish we'd done this way different. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we also had an advantage over a lot of districts though, in that our kids were coming half days for five days a week. Right. Um, there were a lot of districts around us where honestly, they didn't see kids more than two days a week. And for a lot of those kids and a lot of those staff members, it was a big jump just to go to five days, much less five full days. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes so, a lot of sense. Yep. Um, along those lines, have we had any major safety concerns happen? I know one of our local districts got had to quarantine all sorts of kids. Yeah, again, <laughs> knocking on wood because that's my thing. Um, you know, we have yet to have a, uh, a confirmed diagnosis on a student. Cool. since we've been back full time. Um, you know, again, I hate to jinx it, but uh, you know. All right, I'll knock two. There you go, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, when a lot of people were talking about the secondary level, the older kids, <coughs> um, we've had one, since we've been back since February 2nd, we've had one student at the middle school confirmed um, that came in with COVID. We haven't had any at the high school. We haven't had any others at the middle school, so. Okay. Um, we've been in, we've been doing really well from that standpoint. And I think that says a lot, though, as much about our kids and our protocols, but it also says a lot about our community because obviously, um, you know, they're with us seven hours a day. Majority of the day, they're not with us. So right, whatever is right. happening out there in our community is being done the right way. Excellent. Kids aren't coming to school sick, which is, quite frankly. Um, during cold and flu season, it's the, it's the biggest cause of the right. cold and the flu going around is simply that kids come to school sick because they don't feel that bad, but they feel right. not great. You know, in, in, in this respect, though, of if, you're, if you're not feeling good, stay home. It works. Right, right. Um, I think that has uh, been a permanent change in the, as we move forward out of the COVID. We're not going to have the... Oh, come to work even if you're hacking. It's like, no, no, just stay. Stay home. Absolutely. But, you know, and, and I know that there are some other, other schools, and I've read some of the, the news articles. I mean, in the hundreds of kids out of different large schools around the area, and um, I think so much of that, um, even with the one, I think it was Hanford that you made reference to at one point. Yeah, Hanford. Had Hanford what, High School had a, had a really big write-up in the newspaper, and that was that was stemming from an outside of school, out non-school related sporting event. Um, and when precautions aren't taken on the outside, they you know, obviously they're going to come to school. So I right. think for us. And as I've been around town, as I've been in on weekends, you know, people are wearing masks and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, we're, we're offering a COVID clinic at the high school tomorrow for students who are 16 and older. Oh, that's nice. I, I knew there was other places doing that. Yep. That's really good. Um, is that going to be during the school day? No, nope, it'll be during the school day. Okay. So um, I know that Mr. Henry put out the call to parents and there's there's consent forms and such that need to be filled out and those types of things. But... Um, again, we know we're not going to get 100, 200 kids showing up, but you know, you get, uh, 
you get the kids who maybe are in that border area of, you know, they have a job, um, they have school, they have a lot of social situations. If we can, if we can hit 20 of those kids and get them going down the road towards full vaccination, then that's a bonus for us Excellent. and the community, quite frankly. Yes. I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to herd immunity. However it comes. Yeah. Get this life back going. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I got a question out off the internet that yeah. kind and it kind of perplexed me. So I'm like, hooray, I get to ask this question. Someone said that there are kids eating on chairs during lunch. Yep. What happened? Okay. So this is, as the former English teacher in the group, you'll excuse me if my geometry isn't really good, but this really came down to a big math problem. Um, we have 12 foot tables that fold in the middle. So if when we stack our, all of our normal school tables up, 12 feet, and then they come down in the middle. And so you've got bars in the middle of them. Right. And then they're double seated and they're not nearly as wide as this table. So the math problem that we were trying to fix is, kids can be no closer than six feet, and yet we have to get 100 plus of them uh, into an, a multi-purpose room for lunches. So with 12-foot tables that extend from seat to seat about four feet, right? those 12-foot tables that normally we'd put eight, sometimes 10 kids at, all of a sudden could hold two. Um, so. Yeah, I was thinking four, and you were like, no, that ain't going to work it's either. It's not going to be worth the either, because then you have to be facing the same way. So we took a look around. Um, trust me, this isn't an idea that we just come up with on our own. Other school districts were doing the same thing. They put the single chair six feet apart to maximize the number of kids you can get in the space. Um, and it's not a permanent solution, um, but it's a solution that realistically, the only things that were, were really high up on the list of having to worry about from a purely a space standpoint was uh, transportation and lunches. Okay. Um, we really knocked knocked the transportation part out early on with our, our bus situation, but the lunch piece was perplexing because if we were going to be able to use those 12-foot tables and seat two kids at it, we were, we were going to have to have, I think, lunch starting about 10 o'clock in the morning at just the elementary, 10 o'clock in the morning till almost 1 o'clock in the afternoon with those limitations. So we brought in the chairs. It wasn't the the first choice I don't think for anybody involved but I can tell you from being at the lunches watching kids the kids weren't having major issues um, and it took a couple days to get to get adjusted to it but for the most part you know kids could sit on the chair if they wanted to put food on their laps we issued trays for lunches so they could do that if kids wanted to stand in front of their chair and set their food down and eat that way and turn the chair around so they're all they could do that Right. They wanted to sit down on their butts and put the tray on the chair itself as a table. They could do that. So while all this was going on, though, we did order some more single uh, desks because we want to maximize space in the classroom. So right. those are going to come in next week. We'll take our old style desks because tables across the board from classrooms to lunchrooms don't work. Right. Uh, we'll get the older single desks and move those in so the kids ha can sit and have a desk in front of them. Okay. I think the, the, main, the main thing we had to balance was if we want our kids in school, we've got to be able to feed them. 
that's the law. And if we're able to, to figure out a way to feed them temporarily until those deaths come in, we can do this for a couple, two, three weeks until they do come in and then roll the rest of the year, knowing that we won't have to make any adjustments then once we hit fall. Okay. Now, I know that the CDC said something about three feet. Has Washington State not taken advantage of the, that number? Oh, the, the three foot distance is inside classrooms. Oh, okay. So that, that was quite frankly another of our problems because we had thought about doing lunches in classrooms, but then when we take the, de when originally when they were six foot spaces inside, that's all well and good. It matches kind of the, the six foot spacing at lunches, but then we moved to three feet to get everybody back in. So now we have more desks in the room then we'd have, if we brought kids in, we couldn't put them all in the room at the same time for lunch. And it, it, it just created a, a, a turmoil. And quite frankly, the elementary is where we have the, the biggest issue because at the secondary levels, we've got gym bleachers that we can pull out that we right. have marked so the kids can sit in the bleachers and eat their lunch. Um, so again, it's kind of uh, making the best of a, of a not great uh, scenario, but if it's, if it's being able to serve lunch and get kids back versus not being able to fit them all in and still being on a half day, I'll take this any day of the week. Okay. All right. That make, I was like, make, makes more sense of what was happening. And when you explained it, I went, oh, yeah, they still want you spaced out when you're eating with, with no When mask. you're eating with no masks, exactly. All right. Okay. That makes more sense to me. Moving on to graduation. Yep. Uh, the question I have is, I, you were talking about waivers and, at the school board, and I wanted to know more about that. Okay. Well, this, this was a program that um, the state put into place last year at this time. And primarily what it deals with is just that there's a, there's a graduation requirement um, that all kids have to meet, and that's making the assumption every kid is in school all day, right. four years, and now we're in a, we're in a state where um, we simply had kids who, who weren't in a full day's classes, yet we're meeting the minimum requirements. Um, we had the online where kids couldn't actually come in for... Um, a lab class or a band class that still isn't going on because of those requirements. So basically what the state's allowing us to do is offer a waiver that for kids who haven't been able to complete um, classes due to COVID reasons that we can waive up to two credits, um, brings us down to 20 credits versus 22. Okay. Um, you know, it, it really is a, a case where it, it, it's, it's not used very much. You don't have to use it very much. Um, there were less than 10 kids that we needed to use that particular waiver for last year. Oh, okay. Um, it's I not, was thinking it was the whole class. Oh, no, the whole class would, uh, would be eligible for it if needed. Okay. But the actual number of kids who weren't able to meet grad requirements because of the conditions of the waiver that the waiver fixes I think there were only six or eight last year, and I think we should probably have about the same amount this year. Um, it's not going to be a, a major deal. Frankly, <clears throat> our schedule 
allows for um, makeups. Our summer school program allows for makeups. So kids are able to get, a, have been able to get credits back before they've really needed them at the end towards graduation anyway. Where this was a bigger deal, I think last year was for the kids who were seniors and they weren't gonna be able to come back to finish some of those classes. Right. right. Um, and the same, quite frankly, is true with last year's juniors, now they're seniors. Um, they missed a, over a year of in-class participation in many cases. So, you know, a, as much as we'd love to say, you know, band and choir and all these things, you know, it, it's only been probably eight years where you had a fine arts, truly a fine arts requirement to graduate from high school. So if you're like me and you can't draw, I depended on band. <laughs> that was my one form of, of art I was any good at. Well, uh, for the yep. kids who haven't been in band for a year and a half, how do you get them a band class? So yeah. um, some kids already took care of that because maybe they took four years of band or maybe they took drawing and painting and pot or pottery at, at freshman to sophomore year. It really is though, it's a, it's a system to, for the outliers who had unique situations to be able to graduate on time. Okay. We've talked in the past about ideas of having credits within the community. Mm -hmm. And I was wanting to know if a kid came to you and had documentation that they'd been playing uh, piano or doing some outside lesson, could they bring that in with documentation? They could bring it in for an evaluation. Um, right now, um, we don't, it's not, I guess the easiest way to say is it's not an automatic. Okay. Um, and it's also quite, it, it, quite dependent on what they're doing and uh, like you say, the documentation and whether or not we actually have a course on, the, on record that we could be able to give credit for. Okay. Um, you know, and I think we're moving more in that direction. Um, I'm a very large proponent of, of either internships or some type of uh, work-study program for kids who have jobs to be able to give credit for those types of things. And quite honestly, it's going to take us getting back into school and getting back in the flow to really be able to move move that forward because... All right. Um, it's, it's not something that could happen immediately. It's not something that happens immediately by any stretch, but there definitely is a need for independent learning. Um, and quite frankly, I think as you as I were talking earlier, you know, like there are many things about the pandemic that quite frankly, we aren't going to go back to. Right. There are things that we've adopted, whether it's online learning, whether it's all the, many different things like that, where it's going to be with us now for, for the duration. Um, a lot of uh, volunteer services, for instance, though, those were put on hold. You weren't allowed just to go in and volunteer um, in the yeah. community because, yeah. heck, half, half the it seems like half the the region's employees were in some kind of a hiatus with cut hours served. I mean, it's tough to allow volunteers to come in when when some companies weren't even able to keep all of their employees going. So, yeah, my it, wife came down to the, her boss and her and everybody else had to yep, go home. Yep. So, you know, we've had some conversations with some local community groups around um, ramping that volunteerism back up. Um, and the idea that, that student service can be a graduation requirement still, that it can be something that we look to as a credit bearing opportunity. Those are all opportunities that I think not only do we have to 
to continue, we have to expand. Um, the more opportunities we give our kids for real world experience, whether it be in an internship, a part-time job, volunteering, anything like that, um, the more they learn real world soft skills, the better off everybody's gonna be. Definitely, I, I totally agree. Real world skills is a, a, a major, major thing. Yep. Uh, we are running out of time. Boy, these things move so fast. Yeah, they do. Uh, is there any last minute? Hit us again with the the community council's time and uh, date for us. Yeah, community council, uh, first uh, informational meeting, May 13th, 6 o'clock, high school pack. Um, the, only, the only restriction there is, quite frankly, is that um, this is not a group for employees and it's not a group for uh, board members or anyone else who, who typically, you know, has their own group, so to speak. Right. This is really meant, uh, it doesn't have to be a parent either. So you, even if your kids have gone through school or you don't have kids, but you're a member of the community, you're welcome to, to come and participate. It All really right. is meant to engage as many different types of folks as we can. Excellent. Yep. All right, well, thank you so much. Awesome, thank we'll you. Talk in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. All right.